part of why I am drawn to ecstatic dance is because it's a way for people to express and to celebrate and to really express their full self, but it's also very healing. Hello, and welcome to Reclaim Your Radiance, a podcast where we discuss the most intimate parts of the human experience. Let's take a deep dive into self-love, sexual pleasure, and absolutely everything in between. I'm your host, Chris Hall, and each week we will be joined by one fabulous friend, and sometimes that friend will just be me, to talk about how we can all become our most radiant selves. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Today, we are joined by Haley, a 29-year-old Caucasian cisgendered, sexually fluid woman from New Zealand who has now called Canada home for four years. Haley is a Dharma life coach, also known as Soul's Purpose life coach, a breathwork facilitator, and an ecstatic dance facilitator, among many other things. On today's episode, she tells her fantastic story of how she followed her intuition and it led her literally across the world and away from everything she had known to a place where she just knew in her heart that something incredible was waiting for her. And of course, she was right. Since then, she has honed her skills of listening to her intuition, and it's led her to creating her own business. Haley now helps others embody their truth through coaching and movement in order to fulfill their life's purpose as well. I am thrilled to have her on today's episode and cannot wait for you to listen in. But before we do, just a few quick announcements. Are you looking to get more involved with the growing Reclaim Your Radiance community? Come join our Facebook group to talk podcast topics and more. Or maybe you're more of a tips and tricks straight to your inbox kind of person. Amazing. If you want a quick summary of Stacey's incredible how to reach your goals advice from episode four, we've got you. The links are in the episode description. And now onto the podcast. All right. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. So lovely to have you here tonight. And thank you for having me. I wanted to start off by talking to you about like your upbringing. So I know that you're from New Zealand. What was it like growing up there? Hmm. Oh, I had a really lovely childhood, actually. Um, I mean, <laughs> I had a lovely childhood. Teenagehood was a bit rough, but um, yeah, I grew up in a little small town called Palmerston North in about two hours north of Wellington in the North Island. Um, so sort of a bit south of the North Island. And um, yeah, it was, it's a beautiful country to grow up in. I was very fortunate that, uh, you know, you can travel to different places very easily and very quickly. So there was a lot of um, travel that my mom and I used to do growing up. Um, I grew up just with my mother, so I don't have any siblings. Uh, and my dad lived in Australia, so it was just mom and I. Uh, and yeah, it was just a really beautiful place to grow up, very friendly, um, yeah, definitely challenging in the teenage years though. I mean, I think most teenagers have <laughs> challenges, um, but yeah, I, I went to an all girls school and that can be, um, obviously pretty intense. So it wasn't all sunshine and, and rainbows, but, uh, it was a great place to grow up. Yeah. Sounds lovely. I think I've actually visited Palmerston North. I can't oh, remember cool. what stood out to me about it though. <laughs> It's a, it's kind of like one of those towns you pass through on the way to another place. <laughs> yeah. Potentially. Yeah. It's like somewhere near like Topa and like, yeah, you said it was close to Wellington, somewhere yeah. in the middle there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful area though. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah. what was, what was it like growing up with, with your mom then? Like just that one female influence. Yeah. That, I mean, I think has its pros and cons, you know, um, Luckily, mom and I were very close and she's such an amazing woman, Um, but it did get lonely, you know, like she was a full-time nurse. And so there were a lot of times where I would, um, you know, have a different babysitter or be on my own. And so, and, you know, playing on my own as a kid. Um, And so I really had to kind of be comfortable with being by myself. And um, I had a lot of imaginary friends to play with (laughs) and, you know, I kept myself company. I used to sing a lot and dance a lot. And um, I think that's why I was so drawn to expressive arts because I needed, um, I needed to express myself and, you know, not having siblings to play with. Um, 
meant that I was lacking that a little bit. So yeah, I mean, I think mum did a really good job with, with raising me, but I think I did, uh, I did miss out on, you know, having a male influence in my life and, um, and, you know, having siblings to, to play with and learn with. So yeah, it was, it was great in ways and then also very challenging in ways, but I wouldn't, uh, take any of it back. Yeah, for sure. And do you think like, cause you had kind of an overwhelmingly feminine energy going on around you. It sounds like with your, with your mom and then like with an all girls school, like, do you think mm-hmm. you were, can you look back and now notice that like that masculine energy was kind of missing? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. I can look back now on, uh, decisions that I made growing up, uh, with, I guess, really wanting male attention and not always in the best ways. And at the time, not realizing the decisions that I was making were maybe not healthy, but in hindsight, looking at some of the past decisions, especially in high school, uh, that I made just to get male attention in any form, because I was lacking that. I can now reflect on that and realize why I made certain decisions and I can have compassion for, you know, teenage Haley and give her love uh, now. Um, Whereas at the time, yeah, I just maybe didn't realize that what I was doing was harmful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We all need so much compassion for our teenage selves Mm -hmm. and our (laughs) preteen selves and just just take a moment to just feel that because I still am really yeah. hard on little Chris for sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, in a child's healing and um, you're going back to, to that child or to that teenage self and giving that, that person what they needed at the time um, we can, we can do that now. Uh, and it's very, very healing. It's like healing parts of ourselves that maybe just needed some extra love at the time. And uh when we can do that, we can see massive changes in our life as well by healing those parts and yeah, just going back to them and giving them a hug, yeah. asking what they need, you know? So you sound like you've done a lot of like inner child healing then. I have, uh, it's still a process. I think it's, you know, with any type of healing, it's like a spiral. So it's like, you're never, <laughs> it doesn't end in a way. Um, but it's, it's, beautiful in that way. Cause it's a journey and it just, it keeps going, but I have, um, I have spent some time going back to, to moments where there was a lack of love or where I remember, um, not feeling good about myself, almost like hating myself in moments, just feeling so, uh, insecure and, um, or lonely and going back to those moments and asking that child what, what they need. And, um, and just listening to that self is uh, something that I have done a fair bit of, but um, yeah, it's still a process. You know, there's a lot to, <laughs> a lot to go through. <laughs> yeah. Would you think like looking back, what were like the main messages that you're trying to kind of, you're kind of healing from, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to ask is what were like the kind of messages around, your own relationship with yourself that you received from like your environment and from the people in your life and like, how did people view their bodies and how did like, yeah. How, what kind of messages did you receive around that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think from my, I was always very supported by my mother. She was always very uplifting and supportive of me and my dreams. And um, I, yeah, she's just an incredible person. And I'm very, very fortunate to have that positive influence in my life. Um, but as we said, you know, not having that positive male influence, um, whilst I had a good relationship with my father, he was in another country, so I wasn't seeing him very often. And, um, and so the kind of attention and what I felt about myself, from men or from boys, um, wasn't always positive. And it, and even from other girls at, at school, um, you know, being in that environment, I feel like I wasn't always, I didn't always confide in, in my mother about what was going on. And, um, and yeah, there was a lot of toxicity that happened and a lot of, um, you know, there was name calling and there was 
some manipulation that happened with certain people. And, and so I did feel at times very insecure uh, and I would cover that pretty well with, you know, drama and um, musicals and being involved in that scene. Like, I think that did help, but I think I was covering a lot of, of like insecurity that I think I probably um, picked up from generational stuff. Like I've kind of looked into that side and there's a lot of generational stuff that I came in with, but then also just that um, high school environment that wasn't always very um, supportive and nurturing and not really feeling like, um, I could fully confide in someone or feeling like um, I might be judged if I did. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely really real. Man, people suck in high school sometimes. <laughs> it's not a very yeah. good way to put that, I guess, but oh man, it was rough times. But like, so your love mm-hmm. of, I'm hearing so much about your love of dance and your love of like artistic expression. And I can definitely see mm-hmm. how that's like a part of your life now. So do you think that you're, cause you're a, an ecstatic dance facilitator, right? Mm-hmm. Or I guess that's how we met. So I do know that this is true. Yeah. <laughs> and you led me through, oh my gosh, the most incredible moment for me because I'd never actually danced in that way before. Like I was on the forest floor, just kind of going at it. Mm. <laughs> and I really let go. I think for the first time, I, for the first time in that way, especially like just um, just feeling it and not caring that I felt like I looked ridiculous and I actually didn't care for the first time. But is that, do you think that that early experience has led you to want to facilitate those, those, those type of activities? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say that was awesome seeing you let loose <laughs> at that, uh, that little event that we had and, um, just like dancing the forest is so healing. So it was really cool watching you express yourself in that way and others. Um, and yeah, I think that, um, why maybe I was drawn to that is because, I mean, I, I grew up dancing, so that's always been a part of my life. Um, and I grew up, um, being very attracted to drama and to musical theater as a way of, of expression. And I think expressing the parts of myself that I kept hidden, um, or didn't feel comfortable maybe confiding with people in. So I would use, um, art as a way to to express and to emote and to release um and I think yeah part of why I am drawn to ecstatic dance is because it's a way for people to express and to celebrate um and to really express their full self but it's also very healing it has the aspect of you know like emotions can come up and that's it's a time that um you know you can dedicate to yourself in a safe environment to express and explore those parts of yourself. Um, and so I'm very attracted to that because I think uh, there's a lot of, of um, stuff in me that I want to express. And I don't always feel like talking is the way for me to do that. I feel like I've never really felt like I know that I know obviously counseling and psychology have so much, so many benefits, but I've just never felt drawn to, um, to really go down that road but I feel like dance is my medicine and expression is my medicine. And I can actually get the medicine that I need through my body, through connecting to my body and through expressing in that way. And that's just, um, that's just my personal choice, but I feel like that it really helps a lot of people. And that's probably why I was drawn to it uh, just because there's a lot of um, healing still to be, (laughs) still to be done. And I also want to, you know, support others in that process and share that medicine with others as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you're such a good facilitator for it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I still need that playlist from you. (laughs) Yes. I'll send that to you. (laughs) Amazing. So, uh, so what other techniques do you use to connect to your body? Uh, I love breath work. So breath work is another, um, really, really beautiful modality and a way to connect, uh, to our intuition, to our body, to our soul, Um, and it's, you know, the breath is the medicine. So it's like, we have this medicine inside of us. And when we are in an environment where we actually feel supported and safe to, um, to explore that, you realize that we, every, we have everything we need in us. And it's just, um, when we actually go into the body, like the body holds the key. And so the breath really helps to tap into, to our intuition, to our soul, to, um, 
you know, expression and to allow emotions to come up and to be released. Uh, it's such a powerful practice. And I feel like, um, and it's also a way to connect to source, you know, like when you're opened up in that way, you're then more able to receive um, wisdom and messages and insights and clarity. And so it's very profound what can happen uh, in a breath work. And I feel like the breath really is connected to everything. The more we can bring the breath into everything we do, whether it's, you know, speaking or dancing or singing, like the breath is so important in every single area of life. And so connecting to the breath um, is, I think, something that I would like to see taught more in like education, for example. Like there's so many uh-huh. things that um, we should be learning from a young age. Uh, and I am seeing it a little bit more, but yeah, I'm very, very passionate about the breath and then combining the breath with with movement or with singing or um, with these other forms of embodiment and expression. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the breath is that connection between your body and your mind and your body and your soul, right? That's the whole mm-hmm. theory of yoga, right? It's mm-hmm. that that combines it all. And I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, so many of the other different branches, which I know you studied as well, right? All the, you know, you've studied like Ayurveda and you've studied so many things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not in depth, but I did I did a, a Dharma and spiritual life coaching certification. And so we did explore Ayurveda and the chakra system and a bit of human design and um, some astrology and somatics. So there were a lot of aspects to that training that I feel like um, we delved into bits and pieces. And I personally feel like I would like to delve even deeper into some of those subjects um because i mean honestly some of those topics are like a lifelong journey you know like for instance astrology you could you could spend a lifetime learning astrology um and so i feel like i i've learned bits and pieces and um and i feel like it's just going to be a continuous journey throughout my life of of just learning more and um sharing whatever feels resonant yeah absolutely so the the dharma is it's called dharma right Mm-hmm. the the coaching so it's it's soul's purpose coaching I've I've seen it called that as well can you explain yeah. to us more what that is yeah sure so um your dharma is essentially uh dharma has a lot of meanings but in this way it is your soul's purpose um so when we're talking about dharma coaching we're talking about soul purpose coaching um which essentially is you know we all if you believe in this, um, we all came to this earth with a divine purpose and that divine purpose could be, you know, to raise consciousness, which I feel like many people are here to do that, but everyone's going to have their own unique way and how they do that. And everyone comes into this earth with their own unique talents, gifts, challenges, obstacles. And so, um, with the coaching, the Dharma coaching, it's, it's really about, um, supporting people in remembering what that is for them Um, because everyone knows what that is somewhere deep inside, but they just might need some support and help remembering that for them. So I would never tell someone what their purpose is because I have no idea what it is. I might have an inkling, but I can't tell someone that they have to remember that for themselves, but there are tools that can be used to really help someone through that process Um, And I really like to combine embodiment in that. I think that's, you know, my area of focus is really also combining the breath and movement um, into the coaching. So we're, um, so we're really also asking the body's wisdom um, and yeah. And allowing for um, more synergy within all of the the different parts so that we can, um, yeah, explore it very deeply. (laughs) Amazing. So can you walk us through an example of like the journey might someone might take with you if they were to to do a coaching session with you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so first of all, I would um, always offer them a free call to get to know each other and see if we click because um, that's obviously really important to make sure that, you know, we have a rapport and that, you know, we, we jive um, and really ask the person what what it is that they're seeking you know, whether it's um, they need help finding their purpose or discovering their purpose or whether it's a spiritual life um, issue that they want help resolving. So there's that aspect too. Um, Or whether they need to, you know, they might want to deepen their connection with their body. Um, That could be something that they, yeah, that they need help with. Um, So there's many different, you know, 
things that people might need um, support with. And so we would really clarify what that is for someone. And there could be more than one thing. Uh, and then what I would do is actually tailor the coaching to what they need. So for instance, someone might be more interested in connecting to their body, in which case I would create a package that incorporates breath work and the dance and the coaching, but someone else might be more interested in just the coaching. Um, and then in that case, um, I would create the package that yeah, is obviously just, just coaching. Um, so it's really going to be dependent on what the person needs and wants and um, what they're interested in as well. I personally really think that combining breath work and dance is really helpful in the process because I think it's all connected. Um, but, you know, it's, it's totally up to the person. And then we would, uh, depending on how long they want to work, you know, I would recommend at least three months, but if someone only wanted one session or they wanted to do one month, you know, we could, we can work it out. I'm pretty flexible with catering to what people need. And I want to be open to that. Amazing. So if somebody really, they wanted this, but maybe this isn't the right time for them to undergo like a whole coaching journey. Like if it's just, they're feeling some resistance that they haven't worked through in terms of like starting to work with a sole purpose life coach, like yourself, what would you say to them to get them to like that first step maybe, or something that might trigger the first step to getting them with that coach? What would you mm -hmm. say to them? Mm, interesting question. Um, well, I would probably offer, I would still offer just a conversation. There's no pressure. Like I'm happy to just speak with someone about something and just see um, if, you know, with the conversation, something flows and we can, you know, um, we can talk about what that resistance is. I mean, otherwise, I honestly feel like a breath work would be very helpful um, for anyone who just needs any connection or any guidance because a breath work will give you whatever medicine you need at that time. And so I would actually probably recommend doing it if they were open to it, having a breath work session to maybe help to start open them, opening them up to guidance and to connecting to their intuition. And that might give them some answers as to the next steps. But first of all, probably just a, just like a 20 minute call just to connect with someone and, and see what, what the resistance is for them and if they can identify it. Yeah, for sure. So uh, a short breathwork exercise, do you have any that come to mind? Like the, the top one that you would say, this is something that I can, like, we can tell people right now about that they could go and implement like in the next, like right after finishing listening to this episode, they could go and, and do a quick little breathwork for themselves. Do you have any exercise yeah. suggestions? I have a few. Um, okay. So one would be connecting in with the lower belly. So I would recommend, I'll just give a little example here, but um, I would just say, you know, close your eyes and, and drop your shoulders down and then, you know, place one hand on your lower belly or your womb, if you have a womb, then the other hand on your heart space. And then just take some nice, slow, deep breaths in through the nose and exhale out through the mouth. And just doing that even, you know, three or four times can actually really help someone ground in. It can help um, the nervous system to calm down. It can help um, regulate the body and to generate a bit more calmness if someone's feeling anxious. So that's just a very simple, like very simple breath. Um, that, you know, someone could start off with. If someone was interested in more of a um, activating breath and something a bit more intense, then I would take them through uh, the two-step breath in which when I facilitate someone with that breath, it's usually about uh, 30 to 40 minutes of active breathing and then a 10, 10 or 15-minute rest at the end. Um, and that breath is in and out through the mouth, similar to holotropic breathing, but it's a two-step uh, belly, chest, exhale breath. And um, yeah, that's for people who just want a little bit more <laughs> uh, of a journey. But if you're just wanting something to 
even just calm down, then just the inhale through the nose and exhale through the mouth and placing your hands on your heart and your belly really helps to actually connect to your body, to your heart. Um, it's really helpful to place your hands on your body and to, it's helpful also to remember to, when you have your hand on your lower belly, it reminds you to breathe into that area, breathing into the lower belly and exhaling out through the mouth. So yeah, that's just a, a little simple exercise that I would recommend for someone. Thank you. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I love the reminder too, that it's like, if you want to get more intense breath work, you really do need a facilitator. Cause there's, I mean, even when I try to do my own yoga session, I'll be like, Oh, I'm done now. That's 15 minutes. I'm good. Right. Or like I'm doing my own breath work, my own meditation. And like, it's so short, but it feels so long. And then like you go mm-hmm. and you have somebody facilitate you and you go, Oh, right. I could do this for an hour. And you would actually get so much more transformation and like, having that space, that container just makes such a huge difference. Yeah. Have you ever done a a longer breath work? Uh, Like, have you been facilitated through a breath work journey before? Um, I mean, you did the one in the forest. That's Mm -hmm. one of the longer ones. That's just breath work. Like I've been led through like hour long meditations and done long yoga classes, but no, I don't know that I've ever done a really, and like, I'm a I mean, I learned pranayama and I learned like the, the teaching of pranayama, um, which is just deep breath for any of anybody listening who doesn't know what pranayama is. It's, it's essentially breath work. It's just kind of the, the Sanskrit name for it. But uh, no, I don't know that I've ever been led through a really long breath work session. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. <laughs> yeah, it's life changing. Mm. Okay. But you're, you're right. It's important to have a facilitator if you're going uh, on a journey like that, because um it can be very intense with people. Um, and so it's, it's nice to feel safe and supported when delving into the breath. And then the more, the more you do it and the more practice you get with it, then, um, you know, then you feel more comfortable possibly doing that solo. But if you're just starting out, I highly recommend um, finding a breathwork facilitator that, um, that you feel safe with and yeah, going on that journey. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've got actually a very selfish question that I just thought of because I have been ramping up my own meditation lately, which has been really, really helping me in terms of like nighttime anxieties and stuff. But I actually went in really deep the other day because I I had time and I had energy and I wasn't like right before bed. So I wasn't like kind of half falling asleep while meditating. So I was actually like super, super alert. And I went in so many layers deep that like my, my partner then like came back in with like lunch and I like, he startled me and like, I, I knew he was there, but it took me like a long time to get back out. And I thought, Oh my God, what if I had trouble getting out? And like, I, mm-hmm. I don't feel safe to like really dive deep into it because I don't know how I'm going to get myself out again. So do you have any, I know this is switching over to meditation. It's something different, but I'm curious if you have any techniques for pulling yourself out of a really deep meditation or breathwork session. Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, meditation is definitely not my forte, although I do meditate, um, you know, occasionally I was, I tried to do the daily meditation, but I think, um, dance is more of my daily practice. Dance is my meditation. Um, but I do, I love the benefits of meditation and I would say, um, pulling yourself out of a deep meditation or a breath work, if it's, something that you maybe don't have as much experience with, or um, if you're going very deep, I mean, I think maybe even kind of training yourself to have like a, you know how in dreams, you know, if you want a lucid dream, there's like a, like a symbol or something that you can make yourself learn to, to tell yourself that you're dreaming. So like you could look at your hand and then Um, you keep looking at your hand throughout the day. And then if you're in a dream and you're not sure if you're dreaming, you look at your hand and you can tell if you're dreaming or not. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's something that people that get into lucid dreaming, um, they, they have these little tricks that they can do so that when they're in the dream state, they know if they're dreaming or not. It's like inception. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So then if they are, they then like, Oh cool. I'm in a lucid dream. I can, you know, do whatever I want, navigate this. Um, so that just popped into my head of like maybe something that you could teach yourself to repeatedly do throughout the day 
so that if you're in a meditation, you could do that thing and know if you're meditating or if you, even if you can snap yourself out of it. But yeah, I'm not entirely sure what that would look like because I don't think I've been deep enough in a meditation to not be able to pull myself out. Um, I have been deep in a psychedelic journey, but I feel like even then I'm aware that I'm on a journey and I don't feel, um, and I can do that by myself and, uh, and feel like I could, you know, that I'm still in the physical. So it's an interesting, yeah, experience that you had. And, um, yeah, sorry, I can't give you more of an answer for that. I'm not really sure how I would navigate that. That's interesting. No worries. I mean, I just threw you onto meditation and you're talking about breath work and it's completely different, (laughs) even though it it feels related, but it's, it's completely different. Yeah. It'd be a good question to ask someone who, um, whose forte is meditation for sure. So I'm sure they would have some good advice. I'll keep it in the back of my mind. <laughs> it's there. It's there now. Yeah. Um, so so for, for breath work though, um, that's why I would recommend having a facilitator because a facilitator can help someone if they're, um, you know, need support in coming back to the body. Cause in breath work, you can go very deep. And so, you know, someone guiding you in and out of that journey is really important. And yeah, and that's why I say I wouldn't do it solo unless you felt absolutely confident that you could pull yourself out. But I mean, yeah, it's not recommended. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, so you mentioned uh, psychedelics. What, mm-hmm. what has been your relationship with psychedelics? Hmm. Uh, they have been a part of my journey for a while. I, hmm. Let me think. Um, I think I first tried LSD when I was about 19 and that was pretty eye-opening for me and um, definitely broadened my perspectives of who I thought I was, um, this reality, you know, as psychedelics do. And, um, And then, yeah, over the years kind of dabbled here and there, but I feel like it wasn't until I moved to Vancouver where I really started forming more of a relationship um, with uh, mushrooms, for instance, um, and using them as a, in more of a respectful way and actually forming a relationship with, with the mushrooms and with the spirit of the mushrooms rather than just doing it recreationally, which I would do more of when I was younger. Um, or at festivals and things like that. So I feel like um, the older I've gotten, the more I'm I'm aware of, oh, there's actually a consciousness to this plan, you know, and I want to be respectful of that and form a relationship with that consciousness. So um, the more that I've formed relationships with certain plant medicines, um, I've found the more beneficial and healing they have been and more supportive they have been with me as well. Yeah, so I... I definitely feel like psychedelics have played a huge part in my healing process and just in allowing me to peel back some of the subconscious layers that, you know, sometimes we're not even aware of certain traumas or triggers or um, memories that we've maybe buried down because we didn't want to remember them. (laughs) But the psychedelics can actually help us to heal those things, to bring stuff up, which is not always comfortable. Um, but so, so necessary, I believe. And I, I do really feel like while some people have had particularly, you know, bad trips, um, I do feel like a lot of that is around set and setting and how safe you feel and your relationship with, with the plant, because yes, sometimes journeys can feel uncomfortable, but usually it's just showing you something that you need to heal out of love. You know, it's, it's not like, yeah, it, it's usually coming up because it needs to be healed. And so if you're in a place where you feel safe and supported and you're in a setting um, that allows for deep healing, then um, I, in my experience, it's always been a, a good experience, even if it's been hard. Um, the only times I've had not so great experiences are when the set and setting has not been ideal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for instance, at a festival, trying a new substance at a festival and then not having a good time because I didn't set it up in a way that was, (laughs) you don't have control. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I would never blame the substance for that. Um, it's more my, how I, uh, went into that journey. It's, it was my fault at that, you know, and I, 
you know, I think that that's important to distinguish. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely have had a lot of beautiful healing. I don't think I would be the person I am today without having um, had those um, profound moments with, with the plant medicines and learning a lot from them and also being able to um, look at a lot of the, the shadow aspects of myself mm-hmm. and, um, and just start to heal those parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how have you facilitated your own healing with it? Like, have you gone to somebody who's led you through a journey with the psychedelics or right. Cause yeah, like you can definitely have bad trips at festivals and, mm-hmm. and just right. Cause you can't control your surroundings. You can't control this environment. And all of a sudden something happens that you're not comfortable with. And yeah, no, that can be absolutely terrifying, but like, cause that's something I'm looking into right now as well is like how to set up that environment without, you know, paying thousands of dollars and going to Mexico to go and going yeah. and like hanging out with a the doctor there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I think it's all based on your own comfort level. Like if you um, have never experimented or I don't even want to say experimented because I don't really like that word. If you never explored psychedelics before, um, I would always recommend, you know, finding someone who you feel safe with and that could be a friend who has experience with them or it could be a shaman or it could be um yeah, a medicine woman or a medicine man, someone who um, has experience that can create that safe container for you to explore. And then, you know, I have had um, experience facilitating my own journeys, but that's only because I feel very comfortable with certain plant medicines and feel confident that I can navigate that. Um, But I definitely wouldn't jump into that having not, you know, been um, facilitated before. So, I had an ayahuasca experience about four years ago, and that was very profound and healing. Um, I think it was three years ago, actually, Um, around this time, three years ago. Yeah, and that was beautiful. And we had um, two facilitators, a man and a woman. So it was really nice to have that masculine and feminine um, energy. And uh, it felt very sacred and it felt, you know, really, um, I really felt safe to be able to, to go deep. Um, and you know, they had beautiful music playing and would sing and had, uh, candles and it was very intentional. Like we went in with what our intentions are and the the lighting was right. And so it's like all of that set and setting, it's, it's really setting up your environment in a way that makes you feel safe. Um, and that, and, you know, even having like nice scents around, like make sure that your senses feel, um, satisfied. And then, um, yeah. And with mushrooms, I feel pretty confident in doing, um, self solo journeys. And so, um, I've usually I'll go into the forest, find a spot, bring a bunch of stuff with me, like a tapestry. Uh, I'll bring my speaker and put some like healing sound frequencies on and I'll bring food and water and lots of layers. And so I really like when I go into the forest to do self journeys, I make sure I have everything, that I need to feel comfortable. And, um, and I really, that's probably my favorite way to do it. Cause it's like, you're in the forest connecting to nature. Um, there's moss and water and trees around, um, animals. And, um, I find that very, very beneficial for me. Um, and then other times I've just been in my room with the lights down and again, like candles and music playing and, you know, um, I will only do it when I feel called to do that, but I have found some of the most profound experiences have happened just doing it on my own. Um, But telling someone like, you know, Hey, I'm going to be doing this. This is where I am. Um, You know, in case something happens so that someone's aware that I'm doing it and I'm not just, you know, doing that without um, anyone knowing about it. So I think that's also important as well. Absolutely. Cause that is, that is so brave actually. Like I'm sitting there being like, Oh my gosh, I would be terrified. I'm, I'm picturing myself going into Stanley park and sitting there and doing that. And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, no, I would need somebody with me. Cause like, I get scared of the forest. I love the forest. I love camping, but I get scared when I go in. Cause I always imagine, you know, coyotes and bears and everything going to come out and jump at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like you're so one with the forest. It's wonderful. <laughs> well, I totally get that fear. Um, I would pick my location wisely. So um, I usually go to uh, Rice Lake and go down by by the lake 
And so I'm not right up in the forest where there could be, you know, uh, bears and <laughs> coyotes and, and things like that. I usually try and pick a spot that's like secluded enough, but I'm also close to the water and more, more in a location that it would be less likely that there'd be stuff around. So yeah, you definitely want to be in a location where you feel safe because if you don't feel safe, then definitely not a good idea to do a journey somewhere where you're feeling like anxious. Um, in which case doing it like at home can be also really nice. And then like, you know, during your journey, you could go outside into your backyard and like hug a tree or whatever you need to do, like put your hands on the ground. Um, but yeah, definitely that set and setting of like, make sure that you do feel safe when you, when you do it. And, um, and if you don't feel comfortable doing it on your own, then yeah, finding someone that um, wants to journey with you. Maybe it's just like one other person and you can do it together. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That, I mean, yeah, that, that delicate balance though of like, I feel safe in my room and I can control this environment completely, but also I need to be outside. I don't think I've had a single mushroom trip where I don't need to be outside and need to like go and feel <laughs> nature. And like you put your face up against the tree. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Do you ever have, and this is kind of like switching gears a bit. Do you ever um, during these mushroom trips or just in any of your experiences feel called to just kind of strip naked and just be one with yourself in that way? <laughs> oh man. Um, totally. Although I haven't always done that, but there have been moments camping with friends, um, where we will do that, you know, and we'll go and skinny dip and that feels amazing. But, um, yeah, there's definitely been times where I've been on my own, but I haven't felt comfortable to, <laughs> to do that, even though I really want to, um, that it's a very freeing experience uh, to do that, especially like skinny dipping and swimming. Um, but if you're going to swim, <laughs> that's another thing is you have to be really careful swimming on psychedelics um, because you actually feel everything, but your, your body's more sensitive. And so there's a danger there of getting too cold or not being able to get out. And so I wouldn't recommend doing that by yourself. <laughs> like don't no. go swimming. <laughs> no, I would definitely. <laughs> yeah. So the advice that we're giving you is to go into the forest, take some shrooms alone and strip naked and go swimming. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. I mean, you do you, but probably not a good idea. Probably not a great idea. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, the whole like sensory experience, right. Of just like being naked and just like, I'm curious what, your relationship is with your naked body? Mm. Yeah. Um, interesting question. So I feel like I haven't always felt com comfortable with it in terms of ex like, you know, being naked and, and especially in front of other people, like at high school, um, I was definitely more uh, probably insecure about my body. Uh, but then as I've gotten older, I feel like my confidence has grown. And I think that comes from the more I've gotten to know myself and the more I've gone on the self-love journey, then the more confidence I have in my body. And it's all very connected. And I think even the more self-exploration that I've done, you know, with psychedelics or with um, movement or expression, um, then the more that I feel comfortable with my sexuality and with my body, it's just all tied in. Um, and so, you know, I'll go to festivals sometimes and, you know, walk around topless or I'll go skinny dipping with friends. And I would never have done that when I was younger. Um, but now I feel far more confident and I would only do that if I felt safe. You know, there are certain festivals and environments where I wouldn't feel safe to do that. But there are also really beautiful environments, especially in Canada, where I have felt safe to do that. I have felt like it's an environment that is uh, very healing and, and it's not, you don't get uh, those kind of feelings of being um, looked at in a perverted way, which I feel like that's the fear for a lot of people is, is they may not want to express themselves in that way for fear of drawing the wrong attention. And so for me, I've just navigated environments where I do feel safe to do that. There's also Rec Beach in Vancouver, which I feel like, you know, I feel very safe being naked there because it's just an environment that um, that it feels like people are able to express themselves and it's not seen as sexual. It's just seen as, yeah, this is the human body. Like where this is our natural state. <laughs> we should be able to do this. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So 
I'm definitely more comfortable these days, but I would still be cautious, not, you know, express myself in certain environments because not everywhere around the world <laughs> would be safe to do that. Um, unfortunately, that's just how it is. Yes, unfortunately. And even some nude beaches are not safe places because they don't mm -hmm. have the kind of community and environment that rec does. Yeah. Totally. <sighs> so yeah, you just have to feel into it, I guess. And um, whatever you're comfortable with, do that. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I've, it's, it's an up and down journey for me, but I find, yeah, there's this direct correlation between like how I feel about myself and how happy I am just being naked and just, mm -hmm. and that was, that was a huge step for me. And that's the only one I took recently, I think. And like, I'm still gradually kind of slowly building up the comfort. And I almost find that you have to practice it. Like, like mm -hmm. non-sexual public nudity is something you almost need to practice. Like last year, I was very intentional about like going to wreck a lot and, and just really trying to just be like, no, and like kind of change my mindset around it all. Mm -hmm. Cause I feel like we were all taught or at least I, I was definitely taught that like the naked body was a sexual thing. Right. Yeah. And that there's just all these triggers that happen in your brain. So, so, so unconsciously when you see one or when you are naked, that it's like, Oh, there's, there's a sexual connotation here, but it's just so natural and it's so beautiful. And mm -hmm. I don't know, I find that that's like the, the biggest it's like how, you know, breath work connects your body and your soul. I find like your naked body mm -hmm. connects like yourself and your love for yourself or something. I don't know. It's yeah. I totally resonate with that. The, yeah. The more comfortable you feel expressing yourself naked. It's almost that it, there's a correlation with self-love there. It's like, you love yourself enough to express yourself in that way. And that's beautiful. And I wish more people felt that. Um, but it is hard when you grow up in a society where that sexualizes especially the female body and the male body, definitely. But, um, you know, <laughs> emphasis on the female body because it's in, it's just been programmed into us in all of the Hollywood films. And it's definitely getting better, I think, but it's still very prevalent. It's still something that I think needs a lot of work, um, a lot of conscious awareness around that, um, yeah, that like we're just human and we're these are like our I think it's what Shaman Durex calls them spacesuits, like our human like spacesuits that we're wearing. But they're not like the full us, you know. We have these beautiful souls underneath and um we're so much more than our physical body. And so we should feel confident to be able to express the fullness of who we are without fear of uh judgment. And it's really nice to find places where you can do that and feel safe to do that because it's such a freeing feeling as you said like it's just yeah it's so nice yeah well said <laughs> absolutely oh yeah so how did you you mentioned along your journey to self-love you know you've, you've taken these steps what would you say are the biggest steps the biggest turning points the biggest aha moments that you've had along that journey and like where did you start and like I mean, right now you're just, you're just radiating self-love and, oh. and, and everything is just coming out, but like, where do you think you started and what were those like big, big turning points along the way? Mm. I think where it really started was, I think making the decision to move to Vancouver was an act of self-love because I... <clears throat> separated from a long-term uh, relationship to move here. I moved away from family and friends to move to Vancouver to pursue my dream, which at the time was to be an actor. And that's still definitely a part of my journey, but it's, um, it's transitioned and changed a lot since then. Um, I used to attach to that being my identity, but now I realize that that's a part of me, but it's not the full, the full picture. And so um, I think that the self-love journey, um, making the decision to move here and to follow my dreams was definitely the, an act of self-love. And I feel like um, what really kicked it off was actually an acting class that I um, was in for, I was doing that for quite a few years, like three years. And then I took taken a bit of a break, but I'll probably go back soon because I really miss it. Um, but my coach actually really pointed out some stuff that uh, no one had ever actually brought up to me before certain aspects of my personality that 
I really feel needed looking at, but no one had, I guess, had the confidence or um, maybe they didn't want to offend me or whatever. And to really tell me these things I could work on. And she would just say it how it is in such a loving way, but, you know, she would really um, tell these things to me so that I could work on them. And that really kickstarted. That was about three months after I moved to Vancouver. And that really kickstarted that journey for me. And that was not easy. Like that was like looking at parts of my shadow and maybe parts that I'd never even realized about myself, because obviously to be an actor, you have to really know yourself well and to be able to look at the shadow parts of yourself in order to actually play a character that has those aspects as well. So that it requires a lot of self-inquiry. And so I think that she was the catalyst for me going really down this journey of um, healing and self-love and um, what that actually meant, which self-love um, requires you to look at the parts that you don't love. And so it's not uh, necessarily an easy journey, but it's so, so rewarding if you actually commit to it and um, it can bring so many blessings and so many synchronicities and opportunities and beautiful people into your life. And I found that that was what started to happen the more that I went down that road. Um, but yeah, to start off, it was definitely not, not easy to look at those parts and to have those parts pointed out to me for the first time. Um, but also I wouldn't, I don't regret any of it. And I think I'm still on that journey. But yeah, I would say moving to Vancouver was was the big catalyst for that whole that whole transformation, which yeah. was about four years ago. Yeah. Wow. You've come an amazing way in four years. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, like doing something huge and big for yourself like that, that's that's definitely a triggering moment, right? When you like you take your life into your own hands. So what was it that triggered that move? Um, I I feel like I wanted to move to Vancouver for quite a few years when I was living in Sydney. It had come into my consciousness actually um, maybe the second or third year I was at university and it kept coming up and I remember thinking, oh, Vancouver could be a cool place to move to because there was a lot going on in the acting world and I was very passionate about that. Um, and, you know, people call it Hollywood North and, and, you know, it's so beautiful. It reminded me a lot of the New Zealand's landscape. And I was like, oh, I feel like this maybe is this the next place I could move to. Um, but then I met my then boyfriend at the time and, you know, we um, started dating and things got really serious. And I think I put off that, that thought that I had of like, um, I think I just kind of put it off and I thought, well, I want to see where this goes. And, um, and yeah, and that was a beautiful relationship and it lasted four years. But I think in the third year, I it really started to come up again of like Vancouver, Vancouver. And I'm like, okay, this is this is coming up and I have to make a decision now. Like I, I think like I'm clearly being guided here. Um and yeah, so I actually I actually ended up auditioning for an acting school in London. Um, I got a call back and I had to actually fly to London for an audition. Um, and then I didn't get it. And I knew at that moment I was meant to go to Vancouver. Like I knew it was a test or I knew that it was like, a, it, it was almost like a relief in a way that I didn't get it because I kind of knew I wanted to go to Vancouver. <laughs> so it's a really interesting feeling of like, oh damn, but also I think I am meant to go. Um, and I think that's maybe when I really started to first listen to my intuition even though maybe at the time I wouldn't have called it that, but it just kept coming up. Um, and then I eventually moved here at the start of 2018. Um, and I, I did leave that relationship and I left family and friends and I had to just trust this feeling of um, Vancouver. And I totally know why now I was <laughs> guided here. And it was because this whole transformational journey was going to happen here. I have also now met my husband and um, happily married and have beautiful friends and a support network here. So it's like I was being guided here for that reason. But at the time, I, um, I just had to trust that, that the decision I was making was the right one. And it was very difficult. 
Yeah. Sounds like difficult. it. Oh my gosh. That strength of just like leaving your entire life behind because of this moment of intuition and listen, like the strength to listen to that is really powerful. I feel like that's Thank your you. first step that like, yeah, I guess you did say that, but you said like the acting class, but like the thought and the, the move to Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, when something keeps coming into your consciousness and it doesn't go away and you try and like push it down, but it keeps coming back. <laughs> that's not coincidence. That's your soul guiding you. That's, that is uh, really important to listen to that voice. And usually that voice is like a little whisper and then it might get louder and then it might get louder. And then it's like, it gets so loud that you can't ignore it. And um, I think it's important to be aware of that voice because uh, it's guiding you for a reason. It's not just a coincidence, you know? Yeah. So, yeah thank you. <laughs> yeah. That little whisper in your ear, that little, that feeling. And then like, it just starts to disturb you. I think if you ignore it for too long, it starts to mm-hmm. like really like manifest physically, you might get sick from it. You might like, you really, really start to notice it coming up or like even there was a while that I had like this huge lump in my throat and I couldn't figure it out why. And I knew that that had to do with like your, your truth chakra, like your throat chakra. Right. And I still just couldn't figure out, like, I was like, but I'm, I'm living truthfully. And like, that's still something that, you know, I would then meditate on. And like, I tried wearing like stones that might help that shift, but of course wearing a stone isn't going to help what's truly underneath. And it's not going to like really attack that, like, something in your deep desires are not being met and you need to go address that. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's so on point. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's uh, no stone or crystals going to um, fix that for you. It, it requires deep inquiry, self-inquiry and listening, yeah. listening to your body, listening to your heart, listening to your intuition. And yeah, you're so right. It's like, it won't, it won't go away. It'll just manifest in different ways until you listen and take action. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes we have to learn the hard way, unfortunately. And we all do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So I wanted to talk to you about your business. You have an incredible rainbow colored business of vibrant embodiment, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So how did that come about? How did your journey lead you to creating that business? Hmm. Thank you for that question. Um, I don't think I've ever been asked that. I, oh, that's a good question. So Vibrant Embodiment only came about a year ago, actually. Um, I I think 2020 hit and obviously a lot of people were um, doing a lot of reflection and asking themselves, okay, like, is what I'm doing resonant? Um, do I have a bigger purpose? and making some decisions, some big life decisions in that year. And I think for me, that was the year that I realized that um, whilst I love acting and it's always going to be, I feel a part of my life, um, there was more to my purpose than that. I really felt like something was missing. And um, I remember listening to Sahara Rose a lot. I don't know if you've heard of Sahara Rose. She's an incredible woman. If you haven't, um, highly recommend And she has a podcast called The Highest Self Podcast. And she had a guest on there, uh, Malaika Darville, who uh, is an ecstatic dance facilitator. And I remember listening to this episode and hearing about her and hearing about the ecstatic dance that she facilitates. And something in my soul just lit up. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to look into this. Uh, And so I went onto her website and I just saw everything that she was doing. And I thought, this is what I meant to do. Like, I just knew that I'm, I, this was something that was a part of my path, just that like intuitive feeling. And so from there, um, I looked into actually worked with her one-on-one for a while. And then I looked into a local cause I couldn't get to Bali to do her training, unfortunately. So I looked at uh, different trainings and found another um, beautiful facilitator, Hope, uh, who lives in Edmonton and um, signed up for her nine-month facilitator training online. And uh, during that time, I was also exploring the breath. So I was doing some breath work classes because that had also come into my awareness. And I started um, doing those weekly and realizing how transformative 
those uh, classes were. And so I decided that next year as well to become a breathwork facilitator and do that training. And it all just started to kind of make sense. I never, even the end of 2020, yeah, even the end of 2020, I didn't know I was going to create a business. It didn't, it hadn't quite come together yet until um, early last year, I realized, oh, that this is, this is the next step. This is what I've been called to. Um, And so that's how Vibrant Embodiment was, was birthed. And, um, and then I, yeah. And then I also um, was very, very inspired to do the Dharma coaching as uh, it just felt like that would bring it all together. And it felt like the breathwork, the dance and the Dharma coaching was connected. And so um, the vibrant embodiment really just stands for, um, you know, helping people to remember and embody their vibrance, because I do believe that we are all vibrant at all core and that we have so much light within us to, to radiate and share with the world. Um, But embodiment practices can help us to peel back those layers of conditioning and to uncover that light and to, to help radiate that to the world. And so that's really what I'm here to do is to help people um, find their truth and radiate their truth and their vibrance. And uh, yeah, that's why I birthed that uh, business. (laughs) You birthed it. I love that. (laughs) That's such a feminine way of saying that you created a business and I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I love it too. I love the word birthing. It just like, it feels, yeah, it feels resonant. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's I, I love hearing how people came to that big thing, came to their business idea, came to their big trip and and all the steps. And it really sounds like just it was slowly leading you there. You just didn't even know you were just blindly trusting your intuition as like one course came up and another learning and teaching mm-hmm. came up and you just kind of took them as they were. And then at the end of the path, there was the answer, right? Or the the beginning of the next chapter, I guess, was right there waiting for you. Yes. Yeah. It, sometimes you just have to, as I said, um, we talked about like trust that voice. And, uh, and I think it's like, if your soul is lit up from something and you feel it in your body, that's a huge sign that it could be something worth exploring, um, and looking into further. And that's the same feeling I had for all of those decisions. It was this, like, like my soul literally lighting up and being like, yes, you know, and it's not, you know, obviously that can happen. Um, it can happen a lot and you can't always say yes to all of it because you might just be overloading yourself with too much, but like feeling into what, what it is, what you are here to do. And I think that was something I had to ask myself, like, is this my work to do? And if it's a yes, then just going for it and trusting that, yeah, that you will be led to, to your destiny that way. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, definitely the the sole purpose coach that I would sign up with. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So if we're uh, we're wrapping up here, and so I would just I'd love to ask you, like, if there's if there's one thing that you want to leave listeners with of everything we've talked about, is there is there one piece of wisdom you want to impart on to everyone? Hmm. I mean, I definitely want to say, um, listen to that inner voice. That's really key. And if you don't know what that inner voice is doing embodiment work, or I don't even like to really use the word work, but, um, exercises modalities can actually help you tune into that voice and into your intuition. Um, so you don't need to necessarily listen to other people's yeah, it's, it's great to listen to people's advice that you trust, but first and foremost, I would say, learn how to connect with your own wisdom and your own intuition, because quite often we know the answers that we need, but we're not taught the tools as to how to access those answers. And that is through the body. That is, you know, it's, it's, it's all in there. Um, we just need to, to learn how to access that and to trust and listen to that in a voice and to find someone who can support you with that. If you need help with that, um, that you feel safe with and that you trust, you know, just don't take advice from someone that you, um, that you don't feel resonance from really, really trust your own wisdom, um, first and foremost, and, and the wisdom of, of someone who you, um, respect and, and trust. That's, that's 
that's what's coming up for me. So <laughs> amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. And if people want to find you on social media, on your, your business, where would they go to find you? Oh, well, thanks for having me. This has been awesome. And it's my first podcast. So um, yeah, thank you for inviting me on. Uh, if you want to connect, uh, I'm Haley.Flynn on Instagram, or you can go to vibrantembodiment.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. And with that, we come to the end of this week's episode of Reclaim Your Radiance. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I hope you enjoyed your time with us and came away with something truly valuable. If you want more and simply cannot wait until next week, come join us online. We have a couple of really exciting communities that are being built. First, we have a Facebook community with the name Reclaim Your Radiance, where we talk about all sorts of topics related to the podcast and tons that aren't. It's a community of like-minded souls who want to dive deeper into these things and keep the conversation going. Secondly, you can sign up for our mailing list to receive bonus content and stay in touch with what's happening in the world of Reclaim Your Radiance. And lastly, coming soon to a computer near you is our Patreon. Come along and join us for extra content, regular community meetups, fun swag, one-on-one time with yours truly, and so much more. Stay tuned for that. Head on over to the episode notes and the show description to find those links. And I hope to see you online soon. All right, everyone. Until next week, stay radiant. Stay radiant.